Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So if you turn now in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, as we continue to, to look at this remarkable section here that the Lord spoke so few words but said so much in those few words. Yeah, it's remarkable. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the word that was given to us to prepare us, Lord, for eternity to be with you. Help us, Lord, to prepare this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew... Matthew chapter seven, verse seven. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? We started this last week, this really important verse here in verse seven, where he says, it starts off and it says, ask and it shall be given you. Now, without raising the issue last week, but it's natural that when we read something like that, that we all think, we have these thoughts of, well, yeah, but I remember the times when I asked God for something and I didn't receive it. I didn't get it. And so we read this verse, ask, and then we expect, well, ask, and it will be given to you. So without verbalizing it, what happens is we think to ourselves, yeah, but there was more than one time when I asked for something and I didn't get it. So how am I to reconcile this in verse seven, ask, and it shall be given unto you? And it really brings up the wider question of, what am I supposed to think when it seems that God doesn't answer my prayers? When we think that of the things that really make us afraid, you know, like suffering through cancer or through a long death, you know, or the hospital can't find the morphine, you know, and so it really raises this dark, broad question which rises in us is that, would God really do that to me? Would God allow me to suffer through this disease and loss of health and, and cancer when I ask God with all my heart to spare me? When it really comes out of this very tough situation in life, when I'm facing the reality, I've gotta live with this loss, whatever it might be, person, health, finances, for the rest of my life? When I'm really facing this very real situation for the rest of my life, and yet I come to verse seven and I ask God, I really did. And I try to rely on verse seven and ask and it shall be given unto you. You know, I remember, uh, and so many of you remember, Mildred, Mildred 
Dombo, yeah, she had several last names. She those three husbands that died. It was not a good thing to get married to her. But anyway, uh, Dombo, Mildred Dombo. And Mildred had a excellent mind. She taught many of us here, several of us here. She, how many did she teach in this year? Yeah, several of you. You know what I'm talking about. She could see things in Scripture that were just wonderful to, to listen to her. Great mind. And I remember uh, Mildred one time saying uh, that she had prayed to God, Lord, whatever happens to me, don't take my mind away. That's what she prayed. <laughs> don't let me lose my mind, you know. And so what happened? She had Alzheimer's. She lost her mind. And it was almost like I was thinking a lot about that. And it was almost like I could picture God up there and this prayer comes to you, don't let me lose my mind. And God, oh, I didn't know. You think that's more important than me? You think that you can't get on in life without your mind? Well, we'll just have to write that prescription that you'll have to lose your mind and you'll find out that I can be relied on even when your mind is gone. Well, anyway, comes down to this issue of I ask and it says that ask and it shall be given you and I don't get it. You know, at Cannabodies, we just went through very situation with, with a Salui, one of our uh, recruiters in HR, and everyone loves Salui. She's 38, she's had two children. Well, last February this year, just a few months ago, she had a stomach ache and she went to Grossmont Hospital and they removed two liters of acidic fluid, of ascites, from her, from her belly. Well, that's typically ascites is produced by cancer. So she was operated on and the surgeon cut her open and then sewed her right back up and said, uh, no surgeon can help you. The cancer is way too spread. You'll have to give a shot at aggressive chemo. Well, there was much prayer for Salui that God would heal her, but God didn't heal her. And last Friday, I was in her memorial service downtown with about 100 of her family, many of whom had come up from Tijuana, where she was from. And there was a lot of, why did this young 38-year-old mother die? Why did she die? Why She had everything to live for. Why did she die? And in that room, very few people knew the whole story of what really happened to Salui. But what happened was that to help her through her cancer, Salui went down to Scanabody's Clinic in Takati, and there she was treated, and the treatment really helped her protect her from the chemo because it helped her so much. She didn't lose her hair. She felt so good that her oncologist said, I don't know what it is they're doing down there in Takati, but whatever it is, just keep doing it. But the important thing that happened there was more important than the treatments was that she was Dr. Yolanda Trejo, who not only was writing the prescription for her treatments, but also in speaking with her, realized she doesn't know God. She doesn't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Dr. Trejo led Salui to the Lord. We sent her a Bible. And so then in addition to the treatments that she was getting, when she was getting the treatments down there, she was also doing Bible studies with Salui. And she grew and she had a peace and a contentment. And whereas everybody was upset about her dying, she was like, oh, I'm going home to be with him. And it was so evident that one of the persons in our company said, well, cancer was a gift from God to Salui. And so to the question, well, then in verse 7, asking you, and it shall be given unto you, that doesn't seem to have happened for Salui, but God did answer that prayer because prayer for Salui was really, God, please help Salui. 
Lord, please do good to Salui. Father, please love Salui. And God the Father, the God of love, the God of all mercy, looked at Salui and said, yes, I do see the problem in Salui's. I do see the cancer, but I also see the greater problem that Salui is lost and she's heading for hell and cancer is just gonna bring her out of her lost state to be found. It's gonna give her a new destination of heaven. So yes, I can take her cancer away, I can do that, and return her to that lost state and that destination of hell, or I can let cancer progress and lead her to me and give her a new destination of heaven. I'll do what's best for Salui. I love Salui, I'll be merciful to Salui, I'll let the cancer progress. So the problem, that when you look at it from this point of view is that the real, the issue is that we don't see what God sees. And because of that, we don't consider what God considers. And that means that we're in a state of what the Bible calls non-considering. When God was talking about death in Isaiah 57.1, Isaiah 57.1, where the Lord said, the righteous perisheth and no man layeth it to heart, and merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. Well, in this particular case, they were being spared from what was, their judgment was gonna fall in Israel. So what happens is, and what the situation is, is that God reacts on the basis of eternity, and we react on the basis of what's temporal, because we don't see what God sees. Because, and that's what's told to us in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Corinthians 13, 12 talks about what we see, what God sees, when it says, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am also known. So when God seems to not answer our prayers, there comes the question, was it because I didn't have enough faith? That's oftentimes the question. Well, maybe it's me, I didn't have enough faith, my prayer was not effective, my prayer wasn't answered because I didn't have enough faith. Now, the problem with that question is that it puts the emphasis on us and not on God. We should not have faith in our faith. We should have faith in God because faith is not that God will do what we want, but faith is that God will make the best decision. That's what faith is. And the problem with saying God didn't answer my prayer because I didn't have enough faith is that faith is wrongly looked at like a get out of jail card. Here's my faith, so take that devil. You know, here's my faith, so take that cancer. And isn't it something when some kids come back later in life and say to their parents, thanks for sticking to your guns. You know, thanks for not letting me do that. You know, and isn't it great when we come back to God later and say, God, thanks for sticking to your guns. Thanks for not giving me what I want. Because faith is not, I have faith that God is going to do exactly what I want. Faith is, God, I trust you. God, you know. God, you will do what is best. Faith is that God is always watching us. You know, as you know, Scanabodies has a manufacturing operation in Ethiopia. And Ethiopia is about 11 hours ahead of time for us. So one day, a fellow in our purchasing department in Santee decided to just uh, get on the security cameras and have a look around in Ethiopia. It was the middle of the night. And as he looked in uh, one of our warehouses there, he saw our guards, all of our guards come into the warehouse and they very systematically laid down cardboard on the concrete floor and then they got pillows and blankets and they laid down and have a good night's sleep. <laughs> They're the night guards, you know. <laughs> we had never known that if we hadn't looked at security cameras. Faith is realizing God's never gonna do that. 
He's never going to go to sleep on the job, as it says in Psalm 121.3. Psalm 121.3. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. So faith in God is God will order the loss of our health as a means to give us what he calls something which is far more exceeding. It's an eternal weight of glory, he calls it in 2 Corinthians 4.16. 2 Corinthians 4.16, he says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So faith in God is faith in the God who orders what maybe we don't want in order to take away what we shouldn't keep. God gives us trouble, and we don't want the trouble, but it's in order to take away the pride that we shouldn't keep. This is how it was described in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, 2 Corinthians 12, 7, which says, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ will rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So God gave Salui the cancer that she didn't want in order to take away from Salui the unbelief that she shouldn't keep. Now, we have these three words, and we look at them together, ask, seek, knock. And what they are, what they represent, those three words, ask, seek, knock, is God's guidance for every person on earth. No matter what nationality a person is, no matter how old or young they are, in these three words, there is a command for every person on earth. And this is because every person on earth falls into one of three different groups. And for each of these three groups, God has a one-word command of either ask, seek, or knock. Now, the first group on earth are persons who are obedient followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Each person in this group has had their own personal defining moment in their life when they came to that crisis point of seeing self as no longer good but as a dirty, rotten sinner. And each person in that group, because of that, has cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ to save them from their sins and vowed and is coming through on their vow to become an obedient follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And each one in that group was experienced the thrill of the relief of having the heavy weight of sin taken off of them. And they knew this joy of this inner cleansing from the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happened for each one of those groups is that following this, each one of them fell in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who loved them so much and laid down his life for them. And each person in this group 
experience what the hymn says when it says, all my life long I had panted for a draught from some cool spring that I hoped would quench the burning of the thirst I felt within. Hallelujah, I have found him whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longing through his life I now am saved. Each one in this group has, can stand up and say, I found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley, in him alone I see all I need to cleanse and make me whole. In sorrow, he's my comfort. In trouble, he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. Hallelujah, he's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. Everyone in this group has experienced that. Everyone in this group is one of the ones who is described in Revelation 14.4, Revelation 14.4, these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men. Everyone in this group has built the house of his life on the solid rock of searching the scriptures for God's command so that they can obey them, not so they can study them, not so they can just know them, but so that they can obey them. You might think of everyone in this group, it would be very natural for everyone in this group to take their Bible and their pencil in hand and just say, which command has been given that I haven't obeyed yet, and set themselves to do that. That's with it, because everyone in this group has renounced their past life of Isaiah 53, 6, their past life of all we like sheep have gone astray, We've turned everyone to his own way. They renounce that, and instead, they now have the new life, which is described in 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things, they're passed away. All things are become new, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the ministry, the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. This is the new life, this is their new life, a new life of being an obedient ambassador for God, begging the lost to be reconciled to God. They've all become God's reconcilers. And their thoughts, their thoughts are now controlled and every one of their thoughts is put through this filter of does this thought please the Lord Jesus Christ? And so in order to do this, they're fighting with their thoughts. As a second, second Corinthians 10, 5, second Corinthians 10, 5, they are casting down imaginations and every high thought that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and they're bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So their thoughts are new because they're fighting. Their words are now filled with the Bible, as it says in Colossians 3.16, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So their words are different, their thoughts are different, their acts are different, they're now kind, they're tender-hearted, they're forgiving. In Ephesians 4.32, Ephesians 4.32, it says, be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. But what characterizes their life of this first group, of everyone in this first group, is that they are 100% dependent on the Lord. 
They've renounced all independence from God, and they see themselves as needing God for everything in life. They wake up in the morning and they say the words of Matthew 6.11, Matthew 6.11, give us this day our daily bread. Give me this day my daily bread. And throughout the day, they're constantly depending on God, as it says in Psalm 55.17, Psalm 55.17, evening and morning and noon will I pray and cry aloud. And when they come to decisions in life, their first, is, first step is, wait, I have to ask God. I have to ask God. And all their needs in life, their first move is, Father, please. So this first group, with their dependence on God, God has one word for this first group, and it's the word ask. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. This first group of obedient followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus says, just simply ask. Don't stop asking life. Continue asking. Beware of drifting away from asking. Keep asking in life. So this first group, God's word is saying to this first group when they says ask, continue asking, Revelation 2.25, Revelation 2.25, but that which you have already, hold fast. Don't let go of this asking because God is giving a guiding work to group one here of ask. You must keep asking and God promises to keep on giving, ask and it shall be given to you. That's the first group. That's the group one, and that's the word for them, ask. Now we come to the second group, group two. This is the group where everyone in this group two started out as the ones in group one, as the first group. They were like group one, and each person in the second group, they did have their own personal defining moment when they came to that critical time when the stench of their sin was over the top for them. And like those in the first group, each person cried out to the Lord Jesus to save them from their sins, and they did feel that heavy load come off, and they did experience that same cleansing, and they did have that blessed assurance at that time where they could say, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation, a purchase of God. I've been born of his spirit. I've been washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. Just like the first group, the Lord Jesus was their first love, but then something happened. It wasn't the same for each person. Something happened. Some tragedy occurred and happened. And like I said, it wasn't the same tragedy for each person. And for some, it was the loss of friends. It was the loss of family. It was the loss of colleagues with their, oh, no. You're not religious, are you? Oh, you know, I'm not. I hate religions. Religions kill people. For this group, it was the Matthew 2.22. Matthew 2.22, you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. It was the Luke 6.22. Luke 6.22, men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. For this subgroup, it was this terrible hatred that got to them. It was the persecution that they had because they identified with the Lord Jesus, and then they grew cold. They grew cold. They became distant to the Lord. They became like the turtle that retreated into his shell of self-defense. They became like Peter 
under this pressure in Matthew 26, 70, Matthew 26, 70, where it says about Peter, he denied before them all, saying, I know not that what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them, said unto them that were there, This fellow also is with Jesus of Nazareth. And he again denied with an oath, I do not know the man. After a while came unto him that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art also one of them, thy speech bereath thee. Then he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 